LBJ, he said it best when he said, you can't shackle and chain someone for hundreds of years, liberate them to freely compete with the rest, and still justly believe that you've been fair. Oh gosh, wait till Emmanuel finds out what else LBJ had to say about black people. <laughs> we'll get there, guys. Guys, welcome to Unapologetic. We're back, and you know we're coming at you with some hot topics. A little while ago, I did a video where I reacted to Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man by Emmanuel Acho, and you guys really liked that video. You guys were commenting and talking about all the conversations that were being had, and of course, I had a lot of criticism to levy to the black man in the video, Emmanuel. And we're gonna do that again today and go back to the original video that sort of sparked his career as far as these uncomfortable conversations go. So Emmanuel tweeted out, dear white people, for days you've asked me what you can do to help. I finally found the answer. Let your guard down and listen. And this is in the wake of what happened with George Floyd. This is what really sparked uh, the, the rise of videos like this. But before we start watching, please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we post a new video. And check out our podcast on Google Play, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. All right, let's get into the video. See what we have to say. Uh, welcome to the first of hopefully many episodes of Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man. In the midst of all this chaos in our world, so many of y'all have reached out to me, and by y'all, <laughs> I mean white people, have reached out to me asking, how can I help? Pause. Shouldn't you hope that you should make as, as few of these episodes as possible? Just to know. I'm just curious, because wouldn't you want it to be, you know, I don't have to do too many uncomfortable conversations with a black man. But now that oppression is currency, maybe we're asking for more. Maybe we want as many episodes as possible. How can I join in? How can I stand with you? So I've created this for you um, because in order to stand with us and people that look like me, you have to be educated on issues that pertain to me and fully educated so that you can feel the full level of pain so that you can have full understanding. I, I fervently believe that if the white person is your problem, only the white person can be your solution. I love playing this little game, you know, where we listen to the things that people say and then we swap out the word white for any other color or any other race. And then you re-say that thing, right? And then you decide whether or not it's racist. You know, if black people are the problem, only black people can be a part of the solution. If Hispanics are the problem, only Hispanics can be part of the solution. I don't know why I did an Obama impression for that, but doesn't that sound a little real? little bit racist. Sorry if that like hurt any of, you, any of your ears. Anyways, let's keep going. And so this is made for you, my white brothers and sisters, to increase your level of understanding so that you can increase uh, your level of compassion. Uh, kumbaya. So consider this a safe space to answer so many questions that I've seen from y'all. The first question I've seen a lot of, Emmanuel, why are y'all rioting? I understand protesting, oh, dude. but why riot? Fair question, why are you guys rioting? Dude, I get you feel anger or whatever. Why are you burning down black businesses? Why are you literally killing black people? Do you know how many people died during the George Floyd riots? Over 20. 20 people, over 20 people died. Uh, and many of them black during the George Floyd riots. So this is a perfectly sound question for any person to ask. Why are you guys rioting? And to that, I submit this. 
Uh, MLK said that rioting is the language of the unheard. Ah, justification. For years, black people have tried peacefully protesting, going back to 1965 and before with the Selma March, and that didn't work. And then in 2016, Colin Kaepernick, he took a knee and that agenda got moved to a flag, which was never the goal. He just wanted to raise awareness on social injustice. So that didn't work. And so now we've seen riots because black people and hurt people are trying to get the attention of the oppressor. Ooh, pause there for a second, Emmanuel. Let's rewind. Let's bag it up like a Tonka truck. Okay, I'm going to ask you the same question in reference to January 6th and I want you to hold the same energy. <laughs> just make the same video hold that hold that same tune same pitch everything is that gonna happen no and guess what it shouldn't because rioting is not okay it's not okay it's not some sort of language of the unheard like uh you quote mlk there's gonna be a lot of really fun quotes we're gonna see in this video uh it's not okay and there isn't a justification for burning down businesses creating over two Billion, b -b 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 billion dollars in damages across the United States of America, burning down police precincts, getting into government buildings, and ruining other people's lives. That's not justifiable, no matter what you say. They're trying to raise, raise awareness of the oppression. Uh, I was in, uh, I was biking around Lake Austin the other day, and there was a white girl around, about 15 meters ahead of me. And as I'm on my bike, I say to her, on your left, because I want to notify her I'm coming so that she can change her course of action. I get 10 meters away and I increase my voice on your left because she had yet to move. I get five meters away and she's still there and I say on your left because I realize if she doesn't change her course of action, there will be a collision. Dude. And as I approach her, I yell on your left and we collide. My goal <laughs> was never to hit her, but because she had her headphones in, she didn't hear me. Taylor, tell me what you're thinking, because you just had to laugh. You had to laugh. It sounds like you just ran into a girl who couldn't hear you right. as she was riding her bike. Right. It sounds like you just ignored the fact that, okay, this person's not responding to my warnings, so I'm just going to crash into them. Like, right. You're an NFL athlete. Can you not like recognize like spatial awareness and slow down and maybe not hit a person who doesn't hear you coming? We love. He loves imperfect analogies. We learned this uh, in the last time that we watched his video, and I thought he was just doing it because he was around children, but no, he just loves them in general. And this is not working for me. It's not working for me. There's something that he said that I wanted to, uh, he said, you know, it's to raise awareness. Yeah, uh, to talk about oppression. Raise awareness for oppression is what he said. Often, you know, when I'm standing in the street of, of Minneapolis and I'm wafting in the fumes of a burning police department that a bunch of individuals just burned down with no repercussions, not being held accountable, not being arrested, uh, being able to spit in the face of police officers while simultaneously attacking them. As I'm wafting that in, you know, standing in these cities, I often, I'm often thinking, oh my gosh, this has really raised my awareness of how oppressed they are. Truly, this is the sign. These are the voices. These are the things you smell, hear, feel when dealing with an oppressed group of people. And none of those people were held accountable for what they did. So is oppression really the right word? Probably not. And your analogy, again, is imperfect. We've got to work on those. And so she didn't change her course of action. I believe that that's the same thing black people are doing now. <laughs> 1960s were yelling, we're oppressed. Yo. But the course of action wasn't changed. And so we again yell, we're oppressed. But the course of action wasn't changed. And so again we yell, we're oppressed. And now you see the collision that's occurred in America. So while I don't condone 
rioting, and I'm sure you don't either. You just did. No, you just did. Back it up. Let's rewind and listen to everything that you just said that 8.6 million people, at least on Twitter, at the very least, heard you say. You did condone it. You can't go, well, you you have to understand. He, He wanted to have the guy's candy bar, and the guy wouldn't give him the candy bar, so he shanked the guy, and he took the candy bar. And, you know, and now he has the candy bar because he's an oppressed individual. And that was just him showing his his oppression and then go, but I don't condone shanking somebody to get their candy bar. You just did. Because for the most part, black people and others that are looting and rioting destructively, they're burning down their own homes. But when you think about the five different stages of grief, you come up to one stage, which is called anger. And sometimes emotions, they don't know their actions. I remember my mom, when I was a child, she lost her, she lost her sister. And I just remember her yelling and screaming. And I come outside my room and I see my mom throwing herself into a wall. And I'm wondering what happened. And my dad tells me that my mom's sister had died. Thinking back on that, throwing yourself into a wall, it's not going to change anything. You're actually harming yourself. But sometimes pain and hurt, it doesn't know how to express itself. Man, do you see what's, what's truly powerful with this is the, the use of emotional anecdotes to manipulate the way that you view a situation and it's something that the the left is particularly great at doing they can take one singular story and and spin it and twist it and hand it to you and cause a cause an entire protest cause a riot cause an outbreak across the nation with one singular story and very little of this conversation i'm going to go ahead and just guess very little of this conversation is going to have to do anything with facts No facts, no studies, no numbers, no stats, no nothing, because you don't need that when you are spinning an emotional tale to manipulate people into supporting you. And that's exactly what's happening here. I don't think we're going to hear police stats. I don't think we're going to hear stats on on police brutality and how that truly affects people based on race and and what the criminality numbers look like uh, in these cases. We're not going to hear what George Floyd might have been up to on on the day that he died. Not that that is a justification for what, what occurred after, but very little... Very little facts are utilized, and a lot of emotion seems to be utilized. You know, another question I get from my white friends, they ask me, why do you think white privilege exists? Great question. And I say this, if you and I were in a race, and the official at the start line, they held me back for the first 200 meters, and you had a 200 meter then head start, the only way to level out that race is to either stop you from running or put me on a golf cart and catch you up and catch myself up. Well, you see, what we've done in America is we've simply said, okay, Emmanuel, you're now free to run. And we've acted as if it's a fair race. When in all honesty, black people were held back for hundreds of years. And so if in the late 1960s, we say, okay, black people, you can go now. That's not a fair race. LBJ, he said it best when he said. Pause before we get into LBJ. Uh, I'm I'm curious. I don't know uh, Emmanuel's background. Were his ancestors enslaved? Uh, were, were they here in America during Jim Crow? I'm just curious. I mean, they, they very well could be. But again, when we talk about the historical context of Jim Crow and slavery, things that we have worked ourselves out of, of course, those are things that we have to address, talk about, and say, you know, there is a certain amount of, of privilege that is attached to that. There are certainly white people who benefited from those times and maybe ancestrally are still tied to some of the white people who are here in modern times and they, and they benefit from that. But white privilege, again, is a very big term. 
It's a blanket term for all white people. And not all white people benefit from white privilege. That is simply the case. You can say there are white families that benefited from Jim Crow and their, their children exist now and their children are living here now. Their descendants are living here now. Okay, sure. Then they have some benefit from, from the historical context. So many white people did not own slaves, did not benefit from the times of Jim Crow and just happen to be living here in America now. And guess what? They don't benefit from white privilege. White kids in Appalachia who are geographically disadvantaged like no other person in the United States are not really benefiting from white privilege. So you can't use these blanket statements to refer to people and to give a characteristic to a certain group of people because you would be wrong. It, it's just on, on a purely factual level, you would be wrong. And there are certainly so many black people living in the United States that are benefiting from all of the equality that we've we've built into the country and that we've progressed into and never had ancestors who dealt with any of this stuff so what about those black people are they still at the hands of the oppressors as well these are the things that we have to discuss and we have to make very very clear but instead we love to throw out blanket statements and make these generalizations so let's keep watching he's gonna get to this lbj part it's not a fair race lbj he said it best when he said you can't shackle and chain someone for hundreds of years, liberate them to freely compete with the rest, and still justly believe that you've been fair. Oh, pause there. So let's talk real quick about LBJ. I should actually honestly make a whole entire video about this, and I might. So I'm just going to give, I'm going to sprinkle you guys a little bit of information about LBJ. LBJ, in his administration, uh, which was ushered in after Kennedy's assassination, is largely responsible for many of the problems that the black community in particular faces right now, let alone America. His social welfare system is is a distinct, uh, you know, uh, catalyst for black people growing up without fathers in the household. He incentivized that. In fact, LBJ is famously very racist. So we use this beautiful quote about, you know, freeing people from, from the impression and the chains doesn't mean that they're totally free. It doesn't mean that we still have work to do. Okay, let's, let's look at some other quotes from LBJ here. Here's one. These Negroes, they're getting pretty uppity these days, and that's a problem for us since they've got something now that they've never had before. The political pull to back up their uppityness. Now we've got to do something about this. We've got to give them a little something. Just enough to quiet them down, not enough to make a difference. For if we don't move at all, then their allies will line up against us and there'll be no way of stopping them. We'll lose the filibuster and there'll be no way of putting a break on all sorts of wild legislation. It'll be reconstruction all over again. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with what reconstruction means, it's when black people were freed. Of, of enslavement. And we went through a reconstructive era of getting them integrated into society. He didn't want to see that happen again, did he? You'll also hear the quote of, oh, I'll have these N-words voting Democrat for the next 200 years. He famously loved to refer to black people as N-words, called the Civil Rights Act an N-word bill. So we know this about him, right? So why are we using his quotes to talk about, like, as he's some, uh, some civil rights arbiter, a fighter for black people. No, he's not. And he is, in fact, a perfect example of everything that we say now about wokeness. Wokeness utilizes black people as pawns and says, here, let me give you these crumbs. We're fighting for your civil rights. We're doing something for you. And nothing happens. Nothing good. Or, or you make a small step forward 
And then they go, look what we've done for you. Now give us your support. Give us your votes when it comes time. It's exactly what LBJ did. So not the best person to quote in this video. And it also makes it look like, because at the, we started this video with Emmanuel saying, you have to be super, you have to be fully educated as a white person on the things that you speak on. And I'm here as the black man to have the uncomfortable conversation and educate you. But he didn't even take the time to look up Lyndon B. Johnson, to look up his stances, to look at the way that he treated black people. Instead, probably looked up a quote that, that fit for, for this particular speech that he was giving, inserted the quote and said, LBJ said this, has no knowledge of who LBJ was as an actual person and therefore is not fully educated on the subject matter himself. So it's clearly disingenuous. It's clearly a little oppression grab that you can make a video like this in a time of utter turmoil and continue to do so. Like I said at the beginning of his video, he said, I hope there are many videos like this. Why would you hope for that? Because in order to hope for that, you also have to hope for black oppression to continue, for the, for the narrative of systemic racism to continue. You should want there to be as few videos as is humanly possible. But that's just me. Maybe that was a Freudian slip. So white privilege is, it's having a head start due to hundreds and hundreds of years of systematic and systemic racism. It's having a head start nope. intrinsically built into your life. It's not saying your life hasn't been hard. But what it's saying is your skin color hasn't contributed to the difficulty in your life. I live in an affluent neighborhood sure. in Austin, Texas. And if I ever go to my mailbox and I see a white woman walking up to the mailbox, I consciously sit in my car because I don't want her to feel like I'm a threat. If I'm on an Baby, that sounds like a you problem. Again, all, there's a lot of black people who say this. You know, when I walk in a store, I'm consciously very polite. I go and talk to the manager so they make sure I'm not stealing anything. When I walk to police officers, I'm, I'm very calm. I put my hands, I nod, and I say, yes, sir, no, sir. Okay. You don't have to do those things. And I imagine if you went and lived your life a day not doing those things and acting like a normal white person, as people would say, guess what? You're going to hit your pillow at the end of the day and go to sleep and go, wow, I survived. And then you're going to wake up the next day. And... This this fear mongering that people like Emmanuel Alcho do with black people is inherently harmful. You know, this this video has 8.6 million views. What does that mean? That means a lot of parents probably took this video and sat their kids in front of it and said, you know, I know you're hearing a lot about George Floyd. I know you're hearing a lot about these these racial fires that are being fueled. Watch this video. This should help you sleep sound at night. And by the end of it, kids go, oh, my gosh, OK, white people are oppressors. White people hate me. White people can lead to a fatality in my life if I don't act the right way around them, and I should be scared of them. What a great lesson. Such a good job. Elevator with the white person. I try to hit the button first and get off the elevator first because I don't want them to perceive me as a threat because I realize at any point in time, Dude. whiteness <laughs> can be weaponized. You <laughs> saw that this past week. Amy Cooper, Central Park, the woman who called the cops on a black man who wanted her to leash her dog because it was illegal to walk your dog without a leash. And she used two words that are a death sentence for black people. When she called the cops, she said, there's a black man who's threatening my life. Mm, 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 mm. This is not to justify that situation, but let's talk about blackness being weaponized. Let's talk about how many benefits we get for being black Americans nowadays that white people don't get. In fact, I could walk up to any random person on the street, any random white person, Spit in their face if I wanted to. Kick them. Push them on the floor. And then go there a racist when the police show up. And guess what? I would be fine, especially here in the city of L.A. Let's look at the mother, the single mother of two children who had her apartment shot up by a black man. And when that guy subsequently got taken care of by the police and died, 
BLM protester showed up to her apartment complex to say his name. Not to defend her, not to say, are you okay? But to shout the black guy's name. Let's talk about all the black people right now in major blue cities who are able to just commit crimes however they want to and then maybe get arrested, maybe don't. But if they do, out on zero bail and back on the street because we are trying to reduce the amount of African-American people who are imprisoned, even when they commit crimes. So who's exactly weaponized their skin color? And if it's white people, it's also a two-way street and black people are doing it too. How about we move into a future where nobody's weaponizing their skin color? In fact, where we don't care about skin color and we base people and, and, and judge them on their actions. That's the future we should be moving to. But instead, we can just point fingers and blame each other back and forth. Uh, nobody should be weaponizing their skin color. Not a white woman who calls and says, there's a black man threatening my life. And, and not a black person who thinks that they should get off scot-free because uh, their skin color means that they've been oppressed. How about we get both of those things to happen? Both of those things, as far as when you compile them together, were a lie. Because that black man, he was a bird watcher. And while so many people saw that incident and they were heartbroken, I, as a black man, saw that incident and was reminded of 1955. Emmett Till, 14-year-old boy who was lynched, mutilated, and killed by two white men because a white woman made a false claim saying that he flirted with her. I have to pause this video so often. When you hear people talk about systemic oppression and racism, and they give you, and you ask for examples, I always ask them for examples and be very clear about it. Please give me distinct examples. Guarantee you, Jim Crow slavery, Emmett Till, Tulsa race riot. Those are the things that you're gonna, those are the things that you're gonna hear about over and over again. And while those are valid examples, are they current examples? And can somebody give you a current example? I, you'll be hard pressed, very, very hard pressed to find somebody who's gonna give you a current example. And because of my time on the left and working on issues like systemic racism, I know ev like every historical example in the book, I'm ready for it, I hear it, okay, that's valid if we're talking historically, but tell me something present. Please. In 2017, that white woman recanted that story. In 1956, the two white men that killed him, they got off. And they admitted that they did it because they knew they couldn't be charged again due to double jeopardy. That, to me, is white privilege. The ability to weaponize your whiteness and the ability to live life unconsciously. Because I, as a black man, have to calculate every move I make the second I walk outside my house. That's a you thing. Another question I get that I'm sure several of y'all have thought, if not your kids have, how come black people can say the N-word, but we can't? I have because our society's stupid. <laughs> and we police language uh, like no other. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, uh, if you're gonna say the N-word and use it to refer to people as friends and put it in rap songs and this and that, anybody can say it. You don't get to tell people what they can and cannot say. I'm sorry, we have free speech in this country. And even if we didn't, it would still be ignorant to think that one group of people can say a word and, and another can't. So yeah, uh, valid question. Again, these are all valid questions from, from the uh, hypothetical figmented white people. I had to do some research on that to educate myself a little bit further. The N-word is synonymous with oppression, execution, and subordination. Black people were so long treated and viewed as no more than the slave to a master. We were viewed as dirt, and that word is synonymous with that. 
So there is a visceral reaction whenever we hear that word coming out of someone whose complexion is white that reminds us of the pain of our ancestors. Black people took something that was meant and originally used as evil and we turned it, turned it into a term of endearment. Really? Do you think when, when Drake or Kendrick or a re really any black rapper writes the N-word in their song, they're thinking, hell yeah, this is, this is civil rights at play. This is restorative justice at play. That's why I say the N-word. And that's why I write it in my raps. And, and that's why, you know, not, not, not rappers like Kendrick, but you have other rappers who, that's why I talk about killing N-words. That's why I talk about selling drugs to them. That's why I talk about buying guns from N-words and, and hooking up with their girlfriends. Because this is my civil right. This is me taking back and reclaiming a word historically. No, it's not. And, and, and anybody who hears black people use the N-word, look at that person and go, yep, he's doing that in the name of restorative justice and taking claim over a harmful word. No, it's not. That is an excuse. That is an excuse. And you know what? I'm curious to even think about whether or not Emmanuel H.O. uses that word ever in his personal life. I'd be curious to see that. It's not a word that I use in my personal life, although I reserve the right to if I, if I see fit and if I please. It's just ridiculous to think that black people who use the N-word, which more often than not uh, is used in, in a manner of, of placing it in a sentence full of abonics, are using that as a manner to reclaim the word. No, they're not. And anybody can say it. You know, you'll see these stupid videos of rappers bringing people on stage. Kendrick Lamar did this, brought a white girl on stage to rap his song. And when she said the N-word, kicked her off stage. How imbecilic do you have to be? So white people, I, I submit that you can't, shouldn't, and nor should you ever have a desire to say that word, whether quoting a rap song, a movie, <laughs> or anything. Because remember, that word is truly synonymous with hatred. The abolitionist Frederick Douglass, he wrote when talking about his master that uh, reading and learning would spoil an N-word. Because remember, black people are nothing more than a slave to their master. And when you think about, well, then why is your black people saying it? And if I can't say it, then you shouldn't either, black person. We've been oppressed for so long, our rights have for so long been limited, that for you to now try to again limit our speech, <gasps> it's painful. <laughs> so that's why, in a nutshell, in a few minutes and seconds, why you can't say the N-word. It's painful for you to tell me I can't call him an N-word. It's painful for you to tell me I can't write that in my rap song while I talk about buying drugs and guns and, and, and gangbanging. That is painfully oppressive. As the violin hits a crescendo. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I can't. Uh, this whole video is just so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. We're in the final stretch, guys, I promise. Another question I've gotten so often. How come black people care more about white on black crime than black on black crime? Valid question. It's not that we don't care about black on black crime, but let me propose this. When a black person commits a crime, they go to jail. Is when that true now? Is that true now nowadays? Uh, because y'all, there's a short on my channel of a 16 year old literally walking up to a cop and beating him, try to senselessly beat him, choke holding him. Guess what? He's not in jail. Uh, and he's in fact committed a robbery, was charged with carrying a gun. Is he, did he go in jail for either of those? No. 
is are are we seeing cities now put out these zero bail policies where people can basically do anything and not be put in jail and they just get let out the next day? Yep. Did we see a bunch of people riot in the streets like Emmanuel H.O. just talked about in the beginning of this video and not get arrested and not be held accountable? And if they were arrested, immediately bailed out by uh, civil rights organizations? Yep. So do you go to jail for committing crimes? I mean, yeah, I mean, here and there people do, of course. Uh, but by and large, we're moving away from that whole thing. Anybody can just do whatever they want now. Person commits a crime, they get off, and hopefully they even get arrested. Ahmad Arbery, the black- That's hilarious because he's gonna bring up Ahmad Arbery. Guess what happened to the people who killed Ahmad Arbery? They're in jail. And this whole video is sparked because of George Floyd. What happened to Derek Chauvin? In jail for how long? 24 years. And on top of that, the people involved in Ahmaud Arbery's death were charged with a hate crime on top of the murder. So who's not going to jail? Black man that was chased and gunned down by two white men in Georgia. It took us two months to arrest those perpetrators. And the only reason we did? And they're in jail. Because we saw the video. Imagine if camera phones didn't exist. Black on black crime is an issue, but if you do the research, high violent crimes are all interracial. Blacks kill blacks, whites kill whites, Hispanics kill Hispanics. So it's not that we don't care, but it's the same issue as why y'all saying black lives matter when all lives matter. We understand all lives matter, but right now, don't. black people are dying at the hands of white people, and I can't change that. Only you, my white friends, y'all can change. Let's go back to the part we said blacks kill blacks, whites kill whites, Hispanics kill Hispanics. Let's talk about the rate at which that is happening. Let's talk about out of all those races, who is most likely to die of a homicide? And when they do die of a homicide, who is most likely to be the suspect or the person who did it? And then you should get to the heart of the issue that you should be focusing on. And it's unbelievable to look at white people, just random white people who watch this video and go, you you are the only one who can change this, which insinuates you are also the one responsible for this being in place. So many falsehoods just stacked on top of one another. And the, the examples that he's using are people that have been put in jail. So what is he talking about? And yes, thank God there was a camera phone. Thank God for any crime that gets caught on tape because it's hard to prove any sort of crime has happened to you if you do not have a video or some form of evidence. And that's not race specific. It's not gender specific. It's not sexuality specific. It's better if you get any crime on video. <laughs> and that's tried and true across the board. So if you wanna know how can you help, how can you stand with us, how can you stand with me? You must first educate yourself so you know exactly what you're standing for and why you're standing. Because the only way we can solve this issue is through exposure, through education, through compassion, and through empathy. Thank y'all for tuning in to the first of hopefully many episodes. Hopefully many. There he is. He had to say that one more time. Hopefully there's much more of this. Hopefully this career doesn't die out anytime soon for me. Hopefully we keep fighting in this oppression Olympics. And the onus is on you to educate yourself. You should watch my videos if you are a compassionate individual. Because I'm going to fully educate you with my misleading quotes, with my misleading examples, with my imperfect anecdotes and analogies, and you are responsible. You make the change. Guys, 
those are my thoughts on this video. Uh, let me know if you want me to do more of these because, oh my goodness, there is so much, and I don't like to use the word misinformation, but there is so much misleading and just narrative doctoring and, and confusing and twisting of things present in all of these videos that I've seen of his so far. So I am more than happy to make this into a series if you guys are interested in me doing this. Comment down below. Is there a point I should have made that I didn't? Is there somewhere where you agree with me, somewhere where you disagree with me? And how do you feel about this video in general, especially if you're a white person? How do you feel knowing you are the only person capable of making change? If you like what I had to say, you want more people to hear it, please share this video and maybe share this video to somebody who needs to hear my perspective on this because 8.6 million people saw Emmanuel H.O.'s on this and I think they need to hear something a little different because nearly everything he said in this video was wrong and honestly horrifying in some sense. So send this to your leftist friends, your leftist family members, and I am more than happy to have the conversation with them if you can't handle having the conversation with them. And again, like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we post a video and make sure to comment your thoughts down below. Let's start some conversations, even if you disagree. I wanna hear what you guys have to say. Go back and forth down below and I always like to read your comments. Thank you so much for watching and also, Suggest some other videos we should react to because, whew, I might not look like it, but I'm having fun. <laughs> Bye, guys.